0: You know, the Passover, the thing that was very significant about the Passover, and everybody know if you know the story background, <clears throat> the children of Egypt, the children of Israel were sitting in bondage in Egypt. And while they were in bondage, Moses said, let the people go. And then finally the Lord gave his last <clears throat> ultimatum to Pharaoh and said that the angel of death is going to Passover tonight and he's going to kill the firstborn in every home and in every family and even every livestock. And he told the Israelites to take a lamb and kill the lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost. And when the angel of death began to pass over, he would see the blood on the doorpost. And he would not kill the firstborn of the Israelites. And, you know, we when the Lord was celebrating the Passover, he was bringing them to the very memory of the fact of what the blood accomplished. The blood accomplished the fact that the angel of death would not take them away. And also, in the same thing, Jesus' blood has passed over and covered our sin for us, has taken away our sin, and that we no longer will have to face an angel of death at the end of eternity when we die, that we will spend eternity with the Lord in heaven because the debt for our sin was fully paid by Jesus Christ. But two things happened with that lamb. And so often we we emphasize and we 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 stay on the blood, which... By the way, that blood presently every day is still covering our sin. It's the fact that when we come to this communion table, even as the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin, we have the blood of Christ, and we that's all we have to plead. There is nothing else we can plead is the blood of Christ. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your blood is cleansing me. He's cleansing me today. It is not, as Tim said earlier, a license to sin. But it is a fact of life that you and I are, we are frail creatures and unfortunately we yield too much to ourselves over the Spirit of God in our lives. And we come and recognize what Jesus accomplished to take away our blood. Every day we come, God is in the process. You know, there are days I sit back and you think, Lord, how can I, you know, and the Lord says, I've taken care of it. It's not about you, it's about me and what I've done and what I've accomplished. But there's two things that happened to the lamb that day. The lamb, they, they, they killed the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. But what did they do to the lamb? They ate it. They ate that lamb. They literally ate the body of the lamb. And that lamb became the very substance of their survival the next day. As they're crossing the Red Sea, their energy, everything they had was from that Passover meal. That Passover meal, when they ate the lamb, that lamb became their substance and their life. And they crossed over. Jesus is our life. He is the very substance of our life. He is the very strength of our life. And he is the one who enables us to live the Christian life. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. We live it in his. And it's learning how to appropriate that strength. Look at uh, John, we're going to go around the world, so I apologize. <clears throat> and I'm not good with PowerPoint. I started PowerPoint and I gave up on myself. <laughs> at school, I, they call me a dinosaur. I still use the blackboard. And I still teach math from the blackboard. And all the other teachers are using PowerPoint. <clears throat> but that's okay. I still enjoy teaching. I tell my kids every day I don't know where else you could have so much fun and get paid for it than being a school teacher. They look at me like I'm crazy. And actually, I've had kids say, You actually enjoy teaching us? You know, and uh, I do, by the way. I really do enjoy it. Look at John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. When he was talking to the woman at the well, what did he offer her? He offered her water that will never run dry. You know, you will never thirst again. Jesus offers us so much at Calvary. He offers us a life. He offers himself. He says, says, we will never be hungry again and we will never thirst again. Why? Why? Because at Calvary, we did more than pass from death unto life eternal after we die. We pass from death unto life today. We possess life in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we have a life that is exciting and is vibrant. It is not just a past event. It is for the purpose of applying the truth to our lives in the present. Every day, we need to recognize that the blood has covered our sins for us. And His grace allows us to move on even after we see sin in our lives. It continually washes away our sin. Not a license to sin, but a license to be able to be transformed by the power of the Spirit of God as He reveals sin to us. Two things happen when we see sin. One, the Spirit of God is the one who reveals sin. The devil never reveals sin. But after the Spirit of God reveals sin to us, The devil wants to come in and then put us into condemnation. The Holy Spirit never reveals sin to us for the purpose of condemnation. He reveals sin to us for the purpose of being able to have victory over it. But that victory comes as we begin to understand and apply the scriptures to us by faith. And we need to say, goodbye devil. The Lord is, thank you Lord for showing me this. Let's move on Lord in victory. And he's going to begin to show us how to transform our lives. we are saved by faith in Christ and his death for us. We live by faith in his work in us. We are not just celebrating a past truth, but a present and live work that God is doing in our life every day. And it's an exciting life. Look at Romans 6. We're going to be there for a while, so it's worth your while trying to find it. Hopefully I can find it. Romans 6. <clears throat> you know, um, we, we talk about transformation. He says, well then, should we keep on sitting so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? This is actually right after the verse Tim read. And he says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were uh, joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? So when we trust Christ, there's a lot of little things taking place theologically. But we are literally dying with Christ. We are buried with Christ and we are raised in newness of life. And it is this newness of life that the New Testament is teaching us how to live. It's teaching us how to appropriate all that we have in Christ, all that is new and belongs to us. He says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So what does this new life look like? Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful Selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And that's the, that's the key. That every time we come to the table, when Jesus died, he died not only, sorry, he died not only to take away the sin, but to defeat the power of sin in our lives. That we can begin to learn to have victory over that sin. So, um <clears throat> sorry. He says, Now we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so we might lose its power. Verse seven, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11, here's your key, and then this is where we're going to go. Verse 11, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Thank you. So, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you reckon yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto the power of Christ, living in our life every day? I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to make it as quick as I can. When we were in training to be missionaries to go overseas, I had this horrible habit. <clears throat> I I grew up in a home where we used to swear all the time. Um, oh, God, this. Oh, God, that. I don't know. Every time something went haywire, it would be, oh, God. And um, so here I am, I'm training to become a missionary to take the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ across the world to Thailand. I didn't know where I was going at the time, but I knew I was going somewhere. And uh, and then somebody broached me to the fact that, you know, you swear all the time. I had no idea I did that. I had no idea that that's the way my language was. I would just, oh, oh God. And so I, I began to ask my friends, you know, and And accountability is good. It's not the worst thing in the world. But I ask people, if you hear me say it, remind me. If you hear me say it, help me, you know, to get rid of this stuff, you know. So, anyway, I I would, we were sitting at dinner one night with the leaders of the camp, who were the ones who say you could go be a missionary, you can't go be a missionary, go home. And I was there that night and went home. Came back the next morning. and uh i was working on the back of this guy's house and he came out and he said um he was talking to me he said you know he says you have a really a a way of really degrading god with the way you you just go oh god this and uh, all the time and i looked at him and i said i know i know i said i'm working on this i said i keep asking <clears throat> people to help me with it He says, I keep asking my wife. He says, yeah. He says, you asked your wife. She kicked you twice under the table last night. You didn't even notice it. (laughs) You know? And he looked at me and he said, Dave, he said, it's good. You can ask people to help you with this. But he said, have you ever thought of asking the Holy Spirit to get rid of that? And I sat there. And, you know, I mean, I'm talking to the guy who tells me I can not be a missionary. And I sat there thinking, well, maybe I should try the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I walked away from that conversation with the craziest conversation going on in my head. And the, and the question was in my head was, well, what if trusting the, the Spirit of God to change my life doesn't work? What if the Holy Spirit doesn't help me? What if it doesn't work? And then out of the clear blue, this thought came into my head. And the Lord said, Dave, if my spirit can't change you, then why are you going overseas to take my message over there that has absolutely no power in your life? I have no message to take if God can't transform my life. Even in this little area, if I can't believe in the power of the cross to change me in a little area of my life, I have no message to take overseas. That was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And I sat there. I've been saved for years. But I sat there and I said, Lord, you have got to begin to take over in my life. And he did. He began. You know, I, I went from the point of recognizing that I said it to the point of recognizing I'm about to say it and then recognize the fact that, hey, I can change the way I talk. Do you know the greatest thing my children say? <clears throat> my children tell me that the greatest reason that they have come to faith in the Lord to believe that God is real is because they've seen the Spirit of God change the way my wife and I relate to each other over the years. They've seen God transform our marriage. We have the power of God living in us that wants to begin to work in us and transform us daily. But it, it is an act of faith. We need to reckon ourselves dead unto sin. That's an act of faith. I need to appropriate that truth in my life and say, Lord, this does not need to control me. How often do we get into conversations, <clears throat> the, um, respect, um, love, respect film calls it the crazy cycle. But how often do we get into the crazy cycle with our spouses and none of us seem to be able to get out of it? And we just go round and around and around in that marriage conversation. <clears throat> and somewhere's one, somebody has to sit back and say, Lord, I don't need to talk to my wife like this. I'm angry. I don't need to talk to my spouse like this. Lord, change me. And then begin to allow. Now, the body of Christ is here to be a help. There are a lot of things that go on in our lives. We have habit patterns in our lives from childhood that are destructive. But the Spirit of God is in the business of transforming us into the image of Christ. But this is His work. It's our responsibility to learn how to yield to that work in our life on a daily basis. The thing that I, we need to do, though, is we need to learn how to appropriate that by faith. But if we don't believe it, we will never appropriate it. And I was, I was given the SATs yesterday. Wow, boring job. <clears throat> Four and a half hours; those kids sit there and take the test, and I have to stand in the room. So I was reading a book yesterday that just—he he just broke my heart. And he said. So many of us live a vicarious Christian life through the church or through other people's stories or, and, and never literally experience the vibrant Christian life for themselves. They hear about it, but they never taste and see that the Lord is good. Some are believers who, like the Israelites, wandered for 40 years in the wilderness and never entered the promised land. They left the land of sin in, in Egypt but they're left in the wilderness, watching the Lord work around them, but never seeing the Lord work in them and through them, you know, and answering their prayers. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to read a couple quick verses for you. Uh, this is out of New Living Translation. I had a gift certificate one day, and I picked this up at um, a bookstore, and uh it was the greatest little thing I've picked up in a long time. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. He says, Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have every gift. <clears throat> Flip over to Second Peter one. Right, this is the around the world in eighty days here, but Second Peter chapter one, Second Peter one three. And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. It comes from our relationship to Christ. One thought I've always had is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a divine attribute. We experience forgiveness from the Lord. Even the ability to forgive others is a divine ability that comes from Christ. As we learn to experience his forgiveness in our hearts, we learn how to forgive others. For the things that they have done to us. Um, well, I don't turn there. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Behold, all things have become new because of what the Lord has done for us. Going to Sunday service was never intended to be a substitute for our personal relationship with Christ. It is to enhance that relationship. Each of us that have trusted in Christ have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the ability to pick up scripture and have the Holy Spirit bring it to life for our understanding. If reading the Bible isn't sure, then we don't understand the Christian life. Because the Bible is not a work to make God happy with us. It is a lifeline to his love for us. It is a lifeline for all that he has supplied for us. It is not a story of man seeking after God, but a story of a God who is seeking man and died for him. It is a story of that God that God has for us as believers. It is a story about Christ who loved us and gave himself for us and lives in us today to give us a new life. Three more verses here. Um, Colossians chapter 2 verse 3. By the way, I I, I I think Dan would agree with me. When you have an opportunity to preach and you don't preach all the time, I never have a problem with what to say. My problem is what not to say. There's so much I want to say. So, but I won't do that to you. So we'll, um, but Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, um, "In Him, Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." You know, when we think about this relationship with Christ, the devil wants to paint this tremendous picture of fear and awfulness. I'm afraid if I give my life to the Lord, if I begin to, 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 to get it, you know, God's going to tell me to go to Africa and become a missionary. He might, but, but you know the scriptures and trying to understand the lord he is opening up to us a world of understanding of treasures and wisdom about life itself and all these things to enable us to unshackle the burden and the bondage of sin and the bondage of living on ourselves to the old man we have that choice every day we get out of bed out of bed every day we get out of bed we have that choice of to whom you yield yourself service to be, his servant you are. But the more I begin to understand what I have in Christ, I certainly want to choose to be his servant and allow him to live his life in me and through me and have what he has for me because his intentions for me are only good. He loves me in a way beyond anything that anybody could ever comprehend. Um, quote one more verse. Ephesians 2.70 says, that he wants to show us in ages to come the incredible riches of his grace toward us. First um, John five four says that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But it's a faith in what we have. But our whole purpose for understanding the word, understanding is to understand what we have in Christ. And just what it is to have Christ living in me. What is that all about? You know, how do I appropriate that relationship with Him? And I want to close with Ephesians chapter 3. You can turn there. Uh, Mine's going to sound a little bit different. But in in most translations, it's a tremendous set of verses. Ephesians chapter 3. Starting in verse 14. Paul is talking about when he thought about all of what Christ has done and all of what's going on. He starts in verse 14 and he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, that the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ... ...will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should... ...how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully... Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The power of God working in my life every day, I I, I tell you, it comes from a comprehension of the fact that God loves me. He loves me beyond anything that I can possibly comprehend this side of glory. But I get out of bed every morning and I have a partnership with a God who loves me and cares for me. And that's so obvious. He who spared not his only son, how he will not fully give us all things that are necessary to live an abundant life. And that's my burden and desire to share this morning is that we begin to comprehend. I, I had a fellow come into my Bible study and we would get into a discussion. And this fellow would always sit back and say, well, Hagee says this, and Charles Stanley says this. And finally one night, after months of hearing this, I, I sat back and I, said, I asked him one night, I just said, what do you think? What's God speaking to your heart? I'm not interested in what they say. What is God telling your heart today? What do you believe? Not what do they believe. Christ died to have a personal living relationship with us through the scriptures. And God uses godly men in the pulpit on TV. But we don't want to live their life. We want to live the life that Christ has for us individually, personally, where God is real to us. God, and his spirit, is confirming his scriptures and his truth to our heart. We can get out of bed and read the Bible and God can illuminate it to us. And say, wow, I never saw that before. I, it amazes me. I mean, we, I've been saved for, I don't even want to remember, it tells me how old I am now. But uh, I could still pick up scripture and read a verse. Wow, I never saw that before. That is so exciting to see. It is so neat to read. And, and that's an exciting life. And that's, every one of us possesses it. Not the person next to you, but us individually. He loved us and died for us. Father, we thank you so much because of who you are. Lord, you have given us everything necessary to live this life. Lord, help us to begin to understand and comprehend by faith that victory. No one can live it for us. Only we can choose to live by faith in your word and trust you. Give us victory over some of the difficult things in our lives. And Lord, we have many of them. And yet the comprehend that you still love us despite that is amazing. And as your love empowers us to be able to say no to so many things. Lord, thank you for this morning and the privilege of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.